0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with licensed marriage and family therapist Darlene Lancer about codependency versus narcissism, shame versus guilt, self-acceptance, and intimacy. to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. Today on our show, we have licensed marriage and family therapist, Darlene Lancer. But before we get to our episode, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story podcast, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says guest form. Click that button. You'll read all Everything about what goes into our show, what we're looking for, and we will then go from there. Also on our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com, we now have a community support button at the top of the page, which takes you to our very own safe social network. Our community members are on there posting in our forums. We have integrated Zoom support meetings every Wednesday and Saturday night. We have prompt books for digging deeper into our episodes and getting more clarity on your relationships and life. We have episodes that never made it to air. We have ad-free episodes as well. So if you want to be a part of our community, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, press that community support button, and we will see you there. Another way for you to get support is to go to DomesticShelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, You are not alone. DomesticShelters.org offers you an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you're experiencing. And it can connect you with local resources like shelters as well. So if you need to find ways to heal and move forward, please do go to DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource. And... On October 30th, everyone, I will be doing the Run for DV. It's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Other people can do it wherever they are. We're raising money and awareness for domestic violence. You can donate your money to a shelter, to an agency, to someone that you know that needs help. Or you can just raise awareness. I'm going to be doing my run at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And that is on October 30th. I will be starting my run from the base of the CN Tower in Toronto. I'll be running home. It's exactly five kilometers. And that is 3.1 miles for you people in the United States who do not use the metric system. So anyway, I will see you there on October 30th. Virtually, I'm going to put myself on TikTok. You can see my updates on TikTok. And I think that is it for this week as far as announcements go. So, oh, one last thing. A big thanks to Apple Podcasts, who have helped us a lot. And if you are going to listen to our show, please do listen to it on Apple Podcasts. So a big thank you to Apple for creating this medium. And now you're going to hear my episode with Darlene Lancer. And we get into a little uh, stuff about myself on this one. I have some revelations after we start talking when we discuss intimacy and codependency. So this is... Uh, a very informative episode. So a big thank you to Darlene Lancer. All of uh, everything that we talk about uh, when it comes to her website and articles will be in our show notes. So now, without further ado, here is my episode with Darlene Lancer. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. Today with me, I have Darlene Lancer. How are you?
1: Thank you. I'm very good. I'm happy to be talking about shame and narcissism and codependency.
0: Well, for those that don't know you, Darlene Lancer is a licensed marriage and family therapist out of Santa Monica, California. Her specialties are relationships and codependency. She's written the books, Codependency for Dummies, and she's also written the book, Conquering Shame and Codependency, Eight Steps to Freeing the True You. Over the course of 30 years, she's been providing self-esteem and codependency counseling and helped countless men and women recover from codependency and trauma. You can find her at whatiscodependency.com and you can get Free a free fourteen tips for letting go. A big thank you, Darlene, for being here with us today, sharing all of your knowledge. You're going to help a lot of people in our community today. So a big thank you. And I guess today we're gonna to, gonna go right into it and start off with discussing shame and low self esteem in a narcissist, and then I guess shame and low self esteem within a partner in the narcissistic uh, abuse. Um, dynamic. So right off the bat, w- with a narcissist, um, what is, I guess, their, their shame and low self-esteem and, and the combination of both that, I guess, runs them?
1: Well, it could be many things, but basically they have black and white thinking and they don't feel like um, they're worthy. I mean, the bottom line for uh, shame is that you feel unlovable. It may be focused on your looks, your intelligence, uh, but it drives a lot of the narcissistic traits like thinking that you have to be the best and you're perfect. Uh, A lot of narcissists are perfectionists and it's because they have to be better than everybody else. Perfectionism is a defense to shame with codependence and narcissists or just anybody in general because I have to be perfect so... I'm not uh, unworthy, I'm not inferior, I'm not inadequate, I'm not unlovable, people won't like me, I'm a failure. And narcissists particularly, and and also often perfectionists, have this black and white uh, thinking that I'm either a success or a failure. So they have to always, they can't make a mistake. The thing with perfectionism is it's a compulsion, and it's unrealistic, and it's it's fine to strive to do your best, but with perfectionism, if you don't achieve some unrealistic ideal, then it affects your self esteem, and self esteem is how you think about yourself. Shame is a feeling; it's a core feeling of narcissism and uh, codependency. It's a core trait. Uh, so you, it in both codependence and Narcissists, it drives a lot of the behavior and the thinking. You might think of narcissists as the mirror opposite of codependence. So they have inflated self esteem, and codependents have, uh, they think of themselves with low self esteem. Now, I talk about self esteem as being healthy. That means you have a balanced view of yourself, it's realistic not inflated and not deflated. So when you have a deflated low self-esteem, then you have more tendency to idealize someone else. And this is one of the reasons that codependents idealize a narcissist. And uh, then when you have inflated self-esteem, you might look down on someone else. You think you're better than everyone else. You're arrogant. So you it's like a bully, puts down other people to raise himself up. And then the opposite is a, a codependent may look up to somebody to raise himself up because if I'm attached to someone who's successful or celebrity or um, beautiful, like have a trophy wife or something, then I look better. Then I'm, I'm uh, okay. I feel more adequate, good about myself. And another trait of narcissism is to be around uh, high-status people. So it might be someone rich. It might be someone famous. It might be someone just successful or well-known or from a good school. So that's another trait. And then envy comes from shame. So comparing is a sign of shame, and codependents do that, and narcissists do that. Narcissists do it, to a more extreme because then they envy someone else because they feel less than, and they want what they have instead of feeling good that the other person has it and then, oh, I can achieve it too, which would be healthier. Um, They want to be better than than the other person. And with a more malignant narcissist uh, and particularly perfectionistic narcissist, they might want to take down their competitor. They might want to do dirty tricks or something so that they look better or steal their work in a work situation, take credit, uh, plagiarize for someone else. So they would steal someone else's work to be better. So, and then the the idea of entitlement is another symptom. So I'm special. I shouldn't have to wait in line. Uh, The law doesn't apply to me. All this comes from feeling like I have to be better than other people to compensate for feeling less than and putting down other people. It's the same thing. All that criticism.
0: I'm just going to go to, you know, about four or five years ago, I went to a CODA meeting. And it was, you know, Codependence Anonymous for people that don't know the, the term. And I was in that meeting. I I was sitting down and someone came in and they were just utterly devastated. And they realized that their codependency was hurting someone else pretty badly. And they they were just in tears and they were crying and they were just so upset with themselves of you know, the relationship that was destroyed because of it. And eventually I got into this podcast and in doing the show, but I never forgot that because there's always the issue where people say, am I the narcissist? Well, maybe I'm a codependent person. So when it comes to, you know, what I saw that day, how, what would you say to that specific person who came in as a, "Quote unquote, quote codependent person, or or thinking that they were, and dealing with the shame of what they went through, um, and as far as saying, is this person suffering from narcissistic tendency, or is this person codependent? Uh, how how is that uh, relationship um, balanced? Where is the like, I guess, the fine line there of what is what?
1: Well, there's specific traits that are required to diagnose a narcissist. And one of the main things is that they, I mean, the clinical diagnosis, um, one of the main traits is that they lack empathy. So if this person is um, feeling like they hurt someone else, a narcissist wouldn't say that. They would think that person isn't good enough for them, that they're moving on. So uh, just that in itself would eliminate that. And being focused on yourself even being selfish is not a sign of narcissism. I might be a narcissist might behave that way, but it's not a trait. It's not a required symptom. It's more that you want all this admiration and attention, and it's a bottomless pit, and you think that you're so wonderful. You exploit other people. So the other thing I would say is that um I see you're in a lot of pain. Because you feel so ashamed and guilty. But that's the problem. That's the core uh, symptom of codependency. And by shaming yourself, you're reinforcing the problem. The path for healing is self-love and self-acceptance. And realize maybe you learned something from this relationship. And it brought you here. It brought you into recovery. so well, now you have an opportunity to change and have healthier relationships in the future.
0: So, a big thing I hear is people using or or uh, maybe confusing the terms of what shaming and, and guilt are. So, can you kind of just get into the relationship between shame and guilt and the, the difference uh, between the two?
1: Yeah, there are big differences and Uh, Guilt actually is, I was surprised to learn this in my research, it can actually be a good thing because it motivates you to change. So the only problem is that shame can uh, promote false guilt. I have a a blog on my website, is your guilt true or false? So Codependents usually have too much guilt. They feel guilty for other people's behavior. They feel responsible for other people. Uh, They feel they're apologizing all the time. So, um, and they feel responsible for other people's feelings also. So guilt is when we feel uh, bad about what we've done. Shame is we feel bad about who we are. A big difference. So when it's something we've done, it motivates us to correct our behavior, to improve ourselves. We can make amends. That's the other thing I would say to this woman. It's like, well, you have an opportunity to make amends to this person. We're judging our behavior. It's a specific evaluation. And the focus is external on someone else. So it leads to empathy. And we're thinking about the effect on other people, which she was. But guilt, there's an idea that we can redeem ourselves. We can change. And this can lead to self-empowerment. And it reduces antisocial behavior. Um, it's a moral judgment. And there's no negative psychological symptoms related to guilt. So we can have redemption. The difference with shame is, and it sounds like her guilt then went into shame or her shame, you know, was actually the cause of her extreme guilt. So it's judging who we are, our core self. It's a global evaluation. It's not, I did something wrong. It's like, I am bad. I'm a bad person. Or I'm unlovable. So... You fear abandonment. You feel that people won't love you or like you. And the focus is more on yourself. And it makes people want to withdraw and hide. So good for her that she reached out for help and went to a meeting. Uh, And it leads to more egocentricity. And instead of thinking about how the other person feels, like with guilt, we're thinking on what other people think of us. So it's more self-centered. And we feel hopeless and irredeemable. And it does lead to antisocial behavior, addiction, um, anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, eating disorders, low self-esteem, all kinds of negative things stemmed from and codependency from shame.
0: So we talk about self-esteem We hear stuff about self-confidence. I always say, you know, self-everything. But does everything really come down to, at its core, to self-acceptance? And if you were able to accept yourself for who you are, would everything else, I guess, slowly come into line for someone who is a codependent and who is on the, uh, I guess, narcissistic personality disorder spectrum. If there was that aspect of everything, if you started off at that as its core, would things get better for them? Would their lives improve? And how do you go about, I guess, the steps of helping someone uh, within your practice of accepting yourself?
1: Well, I think that's a great summary in a nutshell. In fact, on my website, there's a little video. I think on the about page or the services page, I don't remember, where I say people come to therapy to change themselves. But really what they have to do is accept themselves. Now, there's one step that's not covered in your summary, and that is you have to know who you are. You have to have a self. So a codependent usually is out of touch with their, that's part of the definition of their core self. And a, and a narcissist is even. More damaged. So they're very. Um, they've, they don't even have a sense of self. So. It takes more than just. The idea of self acceptance. A narcissist will say I'm great. I accept myself. The problem is you. Because there's a lot of projection. They don't. They see every body is an extension of themselves. They're unconscious. Um, But with codependency, you first have to find out who you are. You have to get in touch with your feelings. People have codependency on a spectrum, a continuum. Same with narcissism. So some people are in touch with their feelings and able to express them. Other people, because of shaming in childhood, uh, are shut down. And they decided that it was not safe to feel. So they stopped feeling and they maybe use intellectualization as a defense, or aggression, or projection, all kinds of other things to not feel. And so getting in touch with your feelings and being able to name them is a beginning to know what you want, to know what you need. So codependents are so focused on other people's needs that they don't know what they need, and then they feel shame about asking for them or expressing them. Uh, so knowing who you are, your wants, your needs, your preferences, your feelings, and that that's you, it's not just um, things that have you've been taught in your family. So individuation is a is a step of separating from your family of origin, and owning your own experiences and your opinions. And then accepting that, that that's honoring it. I talk about honoring your needs and feelings and wants. And then having the courage to express it. So that's another step that would be learning the skill of being assertive and setting boundaries. On my website, the banner is a slideshow of codependency recovery. And I say that self-love is, is the key to recovery. So typically, codependents judge themselves. They push themselves. Uh, they don't think they're enough. They may have ideals of how they should behave. And they're always striving to do that and then judging themselves if they fall short. And I should have done this. I should do that. And it's, they're never good enough. Similar to a narcissist. But he needs that constant reinforcement or she needs constant approval and reinforcement from the outside. And codependents manage that by trying to give to others and help others and control others to feel okay about themselves, to focus on other people. They feel good about themselves when they're giving and sacrificing. And narcissists feel good When they're receiving And it's never enough So sometimes codependents can't stop Helping someone else Giving their opinion Giving their advice Letting go And narcissists can't stop Themselves from needing more from people Nothing is ever satisfactory Nothing fills them up Everybody has to love them If one person doesn't Then they have to try to persuade that person. And if that fails, they'll use aggression.
0: So when it comes to self-acceptance and creating the identity that you never had before, you are dealing with, in a sense, a lot of people that are starting from scratch. They don't know what they like. They don't know... Uh, much about themselves at all and in that I get you witnessed many people's self-discoveries what have been I guess the best tools that you've seen people use themselves that you've uh, helped them with and the ones that they've discovered on their own to figure out what they like what they don't like uh, who they are as a person. So how do people kind of go about that in your mind?
1: So one of the 1st ebooks I wrote was 10 Steps to Self-Esteem, The Ultimate Guide to Stop Self-Criticism. And self-criticism is one of the most destructive things that codependents do. And, you know, they're used to being con- over-controlled, over-corrected, or criticized or abused in some way, perhaps by a parent. Then they get in relationships with people who mirror that. They're not realizing that they're abusing themselves and the relationships just reflect that. So it starts within. And I would say, write down all your negative self-talk. I have a little YouTube up about codependency recovery. And I suggest you can wear a rubber band and just, that habit, snap yourself whenever you say, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or I should do this, the tyranny of the shoulds, or you call yourself a name, that was stupid, I'm so dumb, I'm so lazy, or, or projecting into the future, I'm never this, or I, I can never do that. So all that negative self-talk is very destructive, and my ebook is 10 uh, exercises that you could do. You could do it over 10 weeks and then repeat it. And some clients have found it very transforming and very helpful. Uh, The other thing is that how we speak reflects our self-esteem. So when you're assertive, people can tell that you have good self-esteem. And when you're not, people, they don't think, oh, this person has bad self-esteem or low self-esteem. They just maybe won't hire you for a job. Or they may not want to date you, you know. But when you are know who you are and you express that in a calm, confident manner, manner, people respect you. And they treat you the way you treat yourself. So one of the things that is an obstacle to being assertive that codependents have is the fear of abandonment. So that's the main reason why codependents have trouble saying no and speaking up. And this goes back to emotional abandonment in childhood where they didn't feel sufficiently accepted or loved or parent interested in who they were as a person, not what they did, not conditional love. So the antidote to that is to develop more autonomy. So all these things work together into self-knowing yourself, learning to be assertive, learning to be more autonomous. Uh, Another tool is meditation. It helps you to be more mindful, spending time alone. I also recommend in Codependency for Dummies that uh, people write down their conversations after the fact, and review them and see if they were authentic. Because if you accept yourself, you're going to be real. You're going to speak your truth. You won't be afraid to. And if you didn't, analyze why. What stopped you? What might you have said differently? And when you're practicing assertiveness, I have an ebook. How to Speak Your Mind, Become Assertive and Set Limits. And I have a webinar too on that and also on self-esteem. And practice, especially if you're going to set a boundary, which is much more difficult than just being assertive. Um, And write it out. Practice it out loud. Role play. So those are some things. Practicing, being assertive, being aware of your negative self-talk, spending time alone, and meditating.
0: So I have a few audience questions. Are you ready to uh, hear some of them? All right. So the first one I have here is, why as a codependent is receiving love so hard?
1: Well, that's a very good question. And... It's when we don't love ourselves, it doesn't match. We don't trust it. Comes back again to accepting yourself, feeling worthy of love. If you don't feel worthy of a compliment, you'll say, oh, you know, uh, it's really, uh, you know, I was, really wasn't that good. Or you'll think the person is baiting you for something, they want something for you. Or you'll think the other person has low standards, or poor judgment. You'll find something wrong with them. So, just like if you have negative self-talk and self-criticism, you'll attract someone who criticizes you. If you don't feel worthy of love, it'll be hard to receive it when you find it. You'll think, oh, you'll be dating somebody who is really thinks you're great, and you'll think the person's boring and... You know, I, they're not good enough for me. You'll find something wrong. I'm not going to be in that club. Uh, so those are shame. goes back to shame. I go into it more detail in a blog I have, why it's hard to receive. So it comes back to self-love. Codependence typically are in relationships where someone is emotionally unavailable. Or they're pursuers. They have anxious attachment style. And they end up in relationships or dating someone or multiple people time after time who are avoidant. And then they repeat this cycle of emotional abandonment that starts in childhood. I have a graph of that in, um, I mean, a diagram of that in Conquering Shame. So they keep reinforcing this cycle of abandonment which I also have a blog about the cycle of abandonment because that's what they learned in, in their childhood. So uh, you have to break that cycle with starting to feel worthy of love, realize that you're emotionally unavailable thinking it's the other person.
0: I was actually, I was actually going to step in there for one second and about, I'm going to say two or three months ago, maybe four months ago, someone said something along the line. They were asking me about uh, dating and things. And I go, I have a history of dating emotionally unavailable people. And the person instantaneously responded to me, you're the one that's emotionally unavailable. And that threw my brain into a hole. I'm like, that's interesting. I've never looked at it from that perspective. Uh, So can you kind of just go a little bit (laughs) into that further?
1: Yeah, like attracts, like, maybe it looks different or the behavior is a little different, but um, underneath the core is the same. So in one of my uh, blogs is like, are unavailable, I'm not sure what it's called, something like unavailable uh, partner, mm-hmm. it's your partner, and then there's questions for yourself. Are you unavailable? Um So getting back to shame again, when we don't feel worthy and we don't accept ourselves, it's pretty hard to have intimacy. Intimacy requires that you are honest, you're open, you're vulnerable. You have to take risks and share who you are. And codependents have trouble. You have to be assertive. You have to know what you feel. You have to risk abandonment and have the courage to say, I didn't like that, or I miss you, or I want to see you, or I was so hurt by what you do. You have to be open and vulnerable. So actually, my blog is 10 Tips to Spot Emotional Unavailable um, Partners or something like that, and there's some questions. I could read them. Sure. To you. there's ten, 10 things you can ask yourself. I say, be honest with yourself about your own availability. Number one, are you angry at the opposite sex? Do you like to joke at their expense? So maybe you need to heal from your past wounds before you're comfortable getting close to someone. Um, do you make excuses to avoid getting together? Do you think you're so independent you don't need anyone? Are you afraid of falling in love because you may get hurt? Maybe you were hurt in the past and you haven't healed from that. Are you always waiting for the other shoe to drop? So, again, you may have trouble accepting the good. Maybe you got messages growing up that people are just out to exploit you. Or men or women are only looking for Whatever, sex or something like that. Or women just want to use men for money. Or men just uh, want to exploit women for sex. So you have some beliefs, unconscious beliefs. Are you distrustful? Maybe you've been betrayed or lied to in the past. And now you're suspicious of everyone. And you might be distrustful when there's no reason for it and push someone away interrogating them and things like that. Um, Do you avoid intimacy by filling quiet times with distractions? And that can apply, by the way, when you're alone or when you're with someone. So people can avoid intimacy by not speaking or speaking too much, talking too much. You might fill it up with talking rather than connecting. Are you uncomfortable talking about yourself and your feelings? Do you have secrets you're ashamed of that may make you feel undesirable or unlovable? Do you like to keep your options open in case someone better comes along? Do you fear a relationship may place too many expectations or burdens on you or that you'll have to give up your independence or lose your autonomy? So those are some questions to, you can really do some deep thinking about. Um, the Dummies book has about 200 feelings for people to identify, practice getting in touch with your feelings. I also have a blog on uh, identifying your needs and another one on your, your ind- intimacy index, your intimacy index. And how to have more intimacy, and what it takes for real intimacy. Codependents often have what I call pseudo intimacy. They try to help someone with their problem, they listen to someone else, and they become a caretaker, and it feels so close, or people share about their past hurts and problems. That's one level of intimacy, but it's not real intimacy because intimacy has to be mutual. And you're sharing what you're feeling in the moment, not what somebody did in the past or not just listening to one person's problem and you being their caretaker. That's just one way. So caretaking is a defense to being vulnerable and feeling shame, okay? I'll be, I call it in the dummies book, updog You be the underdog and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to help you, might be an alcoholic, or somebody depressed, or some other problems, and or personality disorder. And then the codependent person doesn't have to be vulnerable. And not only that, if the other person is so dependent and needy, they're assured they won't be abandoned, which is a, one of the biggest fears for codependents, is being abandoned. But that's a safe but unsatisfactory relationship.
0: So I've learned a bunch of things uh, so far right now. One, I think I'm still codependent, uh, very much so. Two, I'm emotionally unavailable after listening to your list. Three, I have now intimacy issues after listening to you as well. What is the best book I should buy on intimacy? And for people that can't see, you have a big smile on your face after I revealed all of that.
1: I don't know about the best book to intimacy. I've read a number and I can't bring to mind at, at the moment. But I would just practice being authentic. That's the key. Okay. You know, do those write out your conversations and look at like what you're afraid of. What stops you from being truthful and honest? And uh practice being honest with people. Practice with your friends. Um, Then be harder in a love relationship. Practice with someone you feel safe with.
0: Okay, so um, I'm going to change the subject now after being vulnerable (laughs) on the show. So we've got a couple more questions before we wrap everything up. So the next one on our list, we're going to be doing like a hard turn here. And the next question we had from someone is, what is healthy narcissism.
1: Oh, okay. Well, it's feeling good about yourself. Um, and you don't have any problem asking for your needs, what you want. You don't think of them as selfish and you're pursuing your passions. You could think that you're great. That's okay. That's healthy pride. A lot of people I have found, Uh, in my practice, think that pride is shameful because they were told, oh, you're too full of yourself as a child or you want too much attention or um, it's sinful. Pride is sinful. Pride is healthy. Uh, You see examples of it with people, uh, for instance, um, uh, leaders and public figures Uh, who have run corporations or are public figures that feel really good about themselves, but they're also honest and vulnerable and care about other people. So it's not necessarily that one excludes the other. You can be empathic and caring about others and also care about yourself.
0: All right, so we have one last question, and it is, how do I know if I have imposter syndrome?
1: Well, if other people uh, see your possibilities and your strengths, and you're afraid that you'll disappoint them, that you can't measure up to their expectations, that would be a sign. Often it's associated in a work situation, and it also could happen in relationships, uh, especially, you know, some narcissists might do this. Too. They brag and try to seduce you, and then they might pull away because as a relationship gets more intimate, you're going to know them better, and you're going to see their craziness and see other sides of themselves that they don't want anyone else to see. But you don't have to be a narcissist to be afraid to get too close, because intimacy breeds. Uh, you know, the, the it's a mirror. When you get close to someone, you really get to see how you behave. They see you when you're how you behave when you're alone. And if you're embarrassed about that, then you're going to be afraid to be too intimate and committed to someone. When they see your bad habits and you know all the things that people are ashamed of. <laughs> their bodily sounds and smells and not to mention their, you know, uh, addictions and habits and things like that. So you have to accept that about yourself and just say, well, that's who I am. If you can't accept me, then I guess we're not meant to be together.
0: So before we end our talk today, where can everyone find you once again? And I guess what's the best starting point of I guess, uh, your, your books, your, your blogs, uh, where's the best place to start, uh, with you on your website and even for people in California who want to, uh, do one-on-one sessions with you?
1: Well, I do one-on-one sessions with people all over the world right now. So, um, I'm not seeing people in person, but the best place to find everything is at what is codependency.com. I also have a website if you get that. My name, DarleneLancer.com, and there's all my products and books and links to my Facebook page, Instagram, Darlene Lancer, LMFT, and Twitter accounts. Um, I'm on Pinterest. I have a YouTube channel, and a lot of my uh, interviews and podcasts are in ClipIt. There's a link on my website, C-L-Y-P dot I-T. Uh, and there's some on SoundCloud also. But if you just Google me, you'll find <laughs> find me. I'm all over.
0: Well, that's I'm on not, Medium.
1: If you're a member of Medium, I'm on Medium.
0: So I really just want to thank you so much for being here with us today. You shared a lot of valuable information. I know I'm a different person <laughs> after listening <laughs> to you today. You changed my life today. So uh, thank you. I have a little bit of work to do now on myself. And, um, you know, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. You're going to help so many people. So
1: I want to add one thing yeah. I forgot. Go for it. If people email me at info and make a request, I'll send them, uh, a PDF on, uh, narcissistic traits, a checklist of narcissistic traits, if they're interested. Uh, or I have another one on how to deal with, uh, manipulation. So that might be helpful.
0: Well, thank you very much. And from myself and Darlene Lancer, we hope you have a good night.